Ukraine will win, will win this war, and we know it, and you know it. And the Great Britain and one of the countries that can do and did in, in its history right choices. And uh, you know where is good and where is, where is evil. Uh, so now we are in the situation where it's, it's not uh, the war. It's not uh, mass murderers. Uh, it's uh, pure evil. What's going on in Bucha, in Mariupol, it's just pure evil. Welcome to Veterans in Politics. I'm your host, Johnny Ball, and I've served on the front line of military operations as well as the front line of UK politics. In this episode, I sit down with Ukrainian Member of Parliament, Dmitry Gurin. Now, for obvious reasons, Dmitry is not able to disclose his location due to the sensitive nature and the targeting by the Russians on Ukrainian Members of Parliament. Now, in this episode, you'll find out more about the Ukrainian people, it's their character, their stoicism, and what Dimitro thinks will happen going forward in this horrific conflict. In this episode, we bring it to you in support of Bridge to Unity. Now, Bridge to Unity was set up by RAF veteran Matt Simmons in response to the crisis in Afghanistan last year. They continue to support those in need and have already sent an ambulance out to Ukraine, supporting countless many civilians. Their current mission is to support maternity units in Ukraine, and we hope that by accessing the show notes and listening out of the call to action at the end of this episode, you're able to help too. In the meantime, it's now time for you to meet our guest. It's an absolute huge privilege and honor to be able to introduce to you today, Dmitry Gurin, who's a member of parliament from Ukraine. Now, first of all, just double checking that you're okay and safe to talk and to do so at the moment, Dmitry. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm safe. Uh, most of the uh, territory of our country is uh, uh, pretty safe, thanks uh, to God and, uh, first of all, to Army of Ukraine. Yeah, well, I just it's such a huge privilege, and um, thank you so much for your time. Um, and, of course, we here in the UK are immensely supportive of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, and... We saw uh, one of our members of Parliament, Johnny Mercer, visit the country recently and had a programme on Channel 4. But before we get into talking about the war, it'd be really good to understand what's Ukraine like in the good times? What are the Ukrainian people like? Tell us a bit about your country, its people and its culture in the good times. What do you know about Ukraine? Well, we what everything that we know about Ukraine, I think, has come from the recent conflict and the spirit. The word that we use is that kind of stoicism um, and the strength of, of your people. And I think we've been really impressed by it. But it'd be really good just to understand what's good. What's Ukraine like in the good times and the, what are the people like? Uh, I lived uh, in several countries. I lived in, uh, first of all, in Ukraine and Russia. Uh, for uh, in Ukraine, like totally from my childhood, 15 years, and Russia uh, for 12 years, and uh, in Moscow. And uh, uh, this, uh, you know, to usually everybody is discussing what is Ukraine, uh, or, yeah, like from the from perspective of, of what is Ukraine and Russia. And from this perspective, uh, Ukraine is a, a society of free people, historically. And uh, like from, from the beginning of uh, state development, in, in general, state development process in, the, in Ukraine from uh, like thousands of years ago, 
Ukraine were always a country of free people, and we had very uh, not really long uh, period of slavery. Um, it's a tradition in reality, and Ukraine is also very uh, horizontal society. Uh, it's uh, important to understand uh, what's going on with uh, volunteering now in Ukraine. You know, we have really vibrant uh, volunteering. Uh, this uh, all the all the society is volunteering now. So to understand uh, why you have to understand it's very horizontal. Uh, Ukrainians they don't uh, believe in any. Uh, in any authoritarian uh, models. Uh, and uh, as you remember, in the last big story about Ukraine before, it was Maidan and uh, the war that started in 2014. And uh, the Maidan was about uh, uh, possibility of uh, dicta dictatorship in Ukraine. And it's not possible. Uh, Ukraine is a southern nation. It's uh, uh, from the political perspective, it's uh, pretty. Um, you know, pretty like uh, Italy, Spain, uh, Greece. Uh, so, politic life is really um, hot, let's say so. Uh, and, uh, you know, not that uh, northern, uh, very silent politics and uh, uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, discussions. Uh, no, it's just bloody in Ukraine. Uh, but uh, very important thing about Ukraine that with the beginning of war, all of this stopped. And uh, uh, Ukraine sees itself, and Ukrainian people, uh, we see ourselves as, as a nation. And uh, of course, last two months, uh, like finally, because we always had this uh, discussion about languages, about, uh, I don't know, Eastern and Western Ukraine. And there were a lot of people who said, come on, we don't have this discussion at all. People, uh, yeah, they are just, uh, you know, they just, just don't interested what uh, people uh, language, speak, what language speak uh, their neighbors. People don't remember what uh, language were the program on the TV, Russian and Ukrainian, because, you know, like, like it's multi-language uh, culture. And uh, uh, now we don't have these discussions at all. Do we have this question? Don't we have this question? No, we are a nation and everybody understands that we are a nation. Uh, what's more important about Ukraine? We are hedonists. Uh, we love uh, life and uh, we want to uh, eat good food. We want to love uh, beautiful men and women. Uh, you know, we just uh, love our lives. And uh, we are not... Uh, we are not really aggressive people. We are like Southern people who live their lives and uh, we don't have any, I don't know, territorial interests uh, in our neighbor, neighbor countries. Uh, we're just living and living our lives. That's all. Uh, what more? What more? We have bloody history. We have really a bloody 20th century with the hunger that killed, uh, that were organized by Soviets and uh, Moscow and uh, killed the millions and millions of, of people, two big hungers in 1920s and 1930s, so-called Holodomor, a genocide. 
and uh, we had uh, uh, like the Second World War and uh, the Civil War in uh, uh, Russian Empire in the beginning of the uh, 20th century. All of this uh, were really bloody on this lens. Uh, so now we have the next iteration. It's uh, bloody again, uh, uh, war with Russia again. And uh, in some sense, nothing changes in our history. We have made neighbor and it's going on again and again, already more than 400 years. Well, I think what has changed, Dimitro, is that the relationship between the UK and Ukraine is really strong. I know just in our community here where I live, the warmth and receptiveness of Ukrainian refugees people opening up their homes. We have been very keen to do that. I know lots of veteran friends helping by moving supplies of aid out to Poland and visiting Ukraine. Um, and in fact, a local town here, you drive through the streets and there are Ukrainian flags all the way along the streets in solidarity and unity for your country. And looking forward, that hedonism, I really hope that in good times you'll see tourism and you'll I know that a lot of my friends and family are really curious about wanting to visit in good times um but of course you are a member of parliament and a politician how did you get into politics what was that background like what was your story how did you get into pol political life oh it was really uh, not uh, uh not so obvious uh, path and uh pretty funny one uh I from 2002, after finishing my university, from 2002 to 2000, uh, uh, sorry, 14, before annexation of uh, uh, Crimea, I lived in Moscow. Before the Moscow, I lived in Mariupol for 15 years. I studied in school and university there, and uh, I'm Ukrainian citizen, always were, and uh, I went to Moscow, lived there on the commercial advertising market, uh, and uh, frankly speaking, I lived there illegally. Uh, I had very half, uh, I, I, I never liked that country and never wanted to leave. I just uh, found the love of my life. Uh, and uh, that was 12 uh, years long. Now she's uh, still with me and now she's in Ukraine, of course. So after annexation of Crimea, I went back to Ukraine. I thought that I had several offers to, uh, and one, one, of, one of it uh, from London, by the way. Uh, to Europe, but I decided that Ukraine will be the most interesting place in the world uh, next 20 years. Uh, so I was right. So I went back to Ukraine, I went to Kiev, and uh, uh, I. What I told you, I told you that I lived in, uh, in Ukraine for 15 years. No, it's a lie. I lived for 15 years before 2002, and now I'm living already eight years, so 23 years in Ukraine, biggest, biggest, biggest part of my life. Yeah, and 12 years in Moscow. Uh, so I went back uh, to Kiev, and uh, uh, it was uh, that volunteering boom. At first, uh, during Maidan, and uh, second, uh, uh, when war started on the east and uh, Crimea. And uh, it was uh, just a really interesting time. Any projects, any social lifts, uh, you know, like all the, all the uh, realities moving. Uh, so, and you can a you can little bit push, you know, that, that moments in history when you can push the reality. So... I started to uh, make uh, uh, projects of uh, territory planning uh, in Kiev, and also we made a big project with a team in Baku. Started uh, uh, to uh, 
take part in uh, competitions, architecture and uh, city planning uh, competitions. Uh, and uh, in one moment, uh, uh, I just was interested in urban topic and urbanism. And it was uh, like, uh, like the main topic for three years. Then Uliana uh, uh, Suprun, it's a person, uh, it's American citizen who went to Ukraine, uh, went back, she's from diaspora, she, and she was her husband, Canadian citizen. Uh, they went back uh, to Ukraine, uh, like just went back to Ukraine because they wanted. And she became uh, acting minister of health. And so we did a big, big reform during uh, two years. It was a hell of a work and uh, very conflicting because uh, healthcare reform is uh, always a massacre, political massacre. And we uh, made a system. Yeah, yeah, like, like everywhere. So we, we made a system, uh, NHS system in Ukraine, uh, because we uh, decided that it will be the most most effective uh, from the uh, point of view of uh, costs and benefits. Uh, and it was a law, it was a real war with uh, the old uh, medical, this uh, Ukrainian society that is unfortunately not always really professional uh, from the uh, medical point of view. And uh, this war lasted like a year. Then we had our bill, then we had our law, and then we had our reform. And in 2019, in the beginning, I had, uh, I had the cancer. So um, it was big. It was like a 3A, three 3 plus uh, stage. Uh, but I had uh, uh, effective radiology, chemistry, and uh, very successful uh, surgery. So in several months, when uh, I was propo proposed, uh, had proposition to go to uh, MPs, I decided that mm, nothing to lose. <laughs> Let's see what what will be next: like advertising markets or uh, city planning, now healthcare reform. Why not the parliament? Uh, and uh, we had uh, that uh, year, 2019. We had electoral revolution. Uh, because uh, we had a uh, new president with a huge, really huge rating, like 73 uh, on the second tour. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the, his party, Servant of the People, or, of course, like everybody understood that it will have uh, the mono majority, and we had it. So I decided to go to parliament. Uh, then I had uh, cancer. Uh, can cancer again that uh, relapse and uh, then I had and then now we're having war so <laughs> it's just just a life you know just a normal life in Ukraine like every 10 years you have revolution war uh, some kind of uh, like protests for several millions of people uh, it's just a life in Ukraine but it's really interesting yeah well Wow, what you've overcome both in your personal and political life and nationally is phenomenal. Um, and I like the way that you introduced that section by saying that it's not something you kind of looked into and you became almost you know, a reluctant politician. Um, but here you are. And democracy is still going. I've seen some great images uh, from you know, the Ukrainian parliament. Obviously, your president is huge and has been speaking to parliaments and to Congress and all over the globe. 
But how on earth has democracy and government still been able to function despite there being a war? How have you been able to keep democracy going? We had the pandemic. We had pandemic and we trained. Because during the pandemic, we already, uh, uh, you know, we already made the rules of regulations of working the parliamentary committee and parliament uh, to work, you know, in off in online mode. We our committees can work in online mode, parliament not. And we uh, and please don't like this idea. And uh, we had several projects, but uh, for all projects, uh, Ukraine uh, uh, MPs said no. Uh, so we gather every almost every week now. We gather. Uh, not publishing the time and uh, day, uh, and uh, parliament works. Uh, and democracy, you know, we don't uh, we don't have enemies inside the society. Only collaborants and our enemies inside the society. But the parties that war against each other and conflicting and uh, you know politically killing and eating each other, they stopped 24 February. So now everybody is trying to do what they what what they can on the, on their own fronts because uh, MPs uh, they cannot go to army, of course, uh, and uh, like everybody works on I don't know somebody helps humanitarian uh, convoys humanitarian corridors somebody works with the majority districts where the war can come and uh, make the defense structures I mean building this all all this defense. And somebody works in the, in the media. Somebody are just uh, you know speaking hats uh, and uh, giving uh, like five to ten interviews per day. Everybody's trying uh, what 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 he does that best. And um, obviously, I mentioned your president. He's become such a an icon for politics globally, and many people are questioning the quality of their own leaders within their own governments and and looking towards Zelensky. And as an example and a shining light of leader, as a leader, um, is that is that really true? Would you say are are the U- Ukrainians completely aligned behind Z- Zelensky? Uh, now, yes, and uh, well, you have to understand that uh, before the war, the rating of Zelensky dropped constantly and significantly, and people weren't really uh, happy with the economy and. I understand that pandemic was a problem, but people, you know, you can explain that uh, you can try, but uh, people uh, to look on to the, you know, purses, not to the uh, the bank accounts, not to the uh, healthcare uh, ministry, uh, these reports about pandemic. So, uh, but the 24th of February, uh, Mr. Zelensky uh, made the only choice and the right choice. And he said, "This this is the war, and we will fight until until the last last man and woman." And that's totally changed. You know, the, the, changed it all because where when people heard from uh, from the president such words, like everybody understood. Okay, that's that's our choice as a country. Because I think that if uh, Zelensky, I can I can imagine that. Frank, uh, fr- frankly, because uh, he's uh, anything but not a traitor, and he loves the country. And uh, uh, if, uh, like American uh, government thought and other governments in Europe thought that Zelensky will run once again, once again, it wasn't possible really. And everybody here understood that it's not possible. 
But in this case, maybe you know society would be divided. Oh, we can fight. Oh, we we, we uh, it will be possible to resist effectively and blah blah blah. But he was uh, uh, he behaved as a leader, and he's behaving as a leader now not only for Ukraine. It's just a, a person from uh, you know a little bit like me because in, in front of the people, uh, all the MPs, they were never in politics. And Zelensky wasn't in politics before. So, uh, and he's some kind of, a, not only as a president of Ukraine, but as a person who two years ago wasn't in politics and never were before, he's saying from the just a people, from on behalf of just a people and asking very simple question that people in, in Britain or in Germany or in France asking on their living rooms, you know, watching TV and about the positions of their leaders and uh, he addressing not, a, not only leaders of uh, countries, but, but people, but nations. And it works. And it's, uh, it's effective. And uh, he's great in it. I think you're right. He's asked the question that we've all, been ha- we've all had in our heads. And he's provided the answer about normal people in politics, people that have done different things in life coming into politics. And I think that has left a hunger in other nations Going forward, I mean, I focus on veterans from the armed forces community going into politics. I mentioned Johnny Mercer as one example. People outside of politics going in and providing more authenticity, leadership, values. And I think with Zelensky, we all believe him. Um, And from what I'm hearing from you, you believe him too. And before we... Frank, it has problems. You know, it's it's a good myth and good picture that people that were never been in politics can go and it will be successful but it's really hard and uh, not everybody of these people were was born for uh, being politics and uh, you know it's it, it's a lot of always in this situation a lot of random people uh, and uh, we are not really sure in Ukraine here that it was a uh, uh, the really good choice to have uh, people out from uh, polit- 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 politics now. But uh, uh, in this situation, it's uh, the society in 2019, uh, by results, uh, made a good choice. And now we see it. But in uh, when you don't have a war, and maybe when you're not in these historical obstacles that Ukraine is now, to change all the politicians, uh, this this uh, class, all the politicians of, uh, with new people, mm, not really effective. Yeah, that remains to be seen. Um, and before we wrap up, um, I mean, what do you think is going to happen going forward um, to resolve this? And, and what do you see as the future for Ukrainians in the next year? In a year, in years. Years, however you see it. Years, years, years. Uh, I years. see. Yeah, I see. I think this war will last at least until the end of the year. I think in the end of the year, it's uh, will be. Uh, it's it will be less active all the day by day, uh, and uh, it will be over. I think in the end of the year. Uh, because in the middle of the year, Russia will have structural problems in the economy. Uh, and uh, they will, uh, their ratings of Putin will drop. They will, they will know how many people uh, soldiers die, uh, and uh, all these uh, problems in general, you know, cumulatively, 
will be a big problem in Russia, so they will uh, be not so aggressive uh, as, as it usually is in uh, Russian history. When they don't have money, they don't have wars. Uh, and uh, I think uh, that Ukraine, after, uh, Ukraine will recapture all the territories. I think uh, like Donbass and Lugansk and uh, Azov, uh, Seashore, and Kherson, of course, uh, and uh, I think that uh, Crimea will join Ukraine, but uh, after Ukraine will join a European Union. I think Ukraine will join European Union during next two to two to three years, and uh, uh, Crimea will uh, uh, be in the situation where they have to say just uh, nothing happened, no any referendums, no any independence, no any Russian Federation. And uh, uh, they will uh, need to decide uh, the problem of uh, Russian military bases, but it's, they have to decide it's inside of that because uh, the uh, capturing of uh, Crimea is, from military point of view, it's can um, be pretty bloody. And uh, but but they will be they will have possibility to say uh, nothing happened, and from tomorrow we are uh, uh, European Union residents uh, and part of. Uh, uh, Part of Ukraine, and and I think it's possible, and uh, this is uh, the most peaceful way of return of Crimea, and uh, it will happen. Uh, then uh, we will get uh, all the all these billions and billions of uh, Russian money uh, blocked uh, their reserves uh, to rebuild uh, Ukraine. Now we are in the situation of uh, Germany after World War Two. Uh, where all the uh, manufacturing, uh, uh, all their plants were destroyed. So in several years, they, uh, it was necessary to build new. So Germany, by plan of the Marshall Plan, after the war, they get just new equipment and new plants. Uh, so they, were, they became very competitive. So I think that it will be a pretty, uh, pretty similar story. Uh, and... Uh, you, uh, Ukrainians uh, will be, we will have now, we are having already the big wave of uh, uh, refugees and uh, some of them uh, will, uh, will want to leave uh, in uh, Europe now, uh, of course, and uh, the, the war is uh, going on and this uh, share of these people who want to stay in Europe will also grow. Uh, but uh, after during the rebuilding of uh, Ukraine, uh, I think uh, we will have um, not a bubble really, but very uh, hot market, labor market, and high salaries um, because a lot of money as always, a lot of work, uh, a lot of building, and uh, it will bump the whole economy and uh, service uh, part of the economy also, and uh, people uh, people will. Uh, will come back. People will start uh, to come back. And uh, uh, what's more, the nation will be united. It will not be divided in the next tens and hundreds of years. Uh, we understood who we are. And uh, 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 Ukrainization, like moving to Ukrainian language, uh, will be more and more powerful because now we are seeing that, that trend that we're started in 2014 now it's like all russian russian speaking people are trying to uh to change the language of i mean i mean uh, uh, in house not in 
like political life it's all, always on, only ukrainian like on the on your job on, on, on work on work uh, it's uh, uh mostly ukrainian but uh, in uh in, in the houses people speak of course as, as they used to them and uh, now uh, ukraine started grow in in this segment uh and uh, what more um uh, Derisification, it, uh, it's already started, all these uh, monuments to, you know, uh, Russian heroes that were never been in, uh, in Ukraine in their life, it's, and nothing uh, uh, connect them with Ukraine, it, it was uh, only the way of uh, cultural occupation, that uh, our heroes are your heroes, and it's obligatory. Uh, so this process also will continue. What more? I think that's um, ah, and uh, we will have we will be in NATO because uh, I think that NATO general is now uh, dreaming of one more uh, really powerful army. Me with good uh, one more powerful army with uh, professional infantry. Uh, with the, that motivated and uh, all of this, and uh, we understand that Britain, Turkey, maybe France. Oh, that was that was just a comprehensive analysis of the future, and there's obviously lots of optimism in there. Um, and you mentioned about Ukrainians coming home, and I think that will be followed by investment globally uh, in order to help Ukraine get back on its feet. But before we let you go, and I've really enjoyed this conversation, I really appreciate your time, but do you have a message for the United Kingdom, whether it be polit politicians, the people, or veterans and the armed forces community? What would your message be to my country, United Kingdom, before we go? Ukraine will win, will win this war, and we know it, and you know it. And the Great Britain and one of the countries that can do and did in, in its history right choices. And uh, you know where is good and where is, where is evil. Uh, so now we are in the situation where it's, it's not uh, the war. It's not uh, mass murderers. Uh, it's uh, pure evil. What's going on? In Bucha, in Mariupol, it's just pure evil. It's just uh, trying to rape the country, trying to say uh, if you will not uh, do what we say we will just kill you and that's all and it's something that we haven't uh, seen for for a long time that army with a uh, brain brain washed army by television from the really uh, from the very very poor uh, towns and villages uh, that are ready to 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 do everything the poorer says and now we are in this situation so now we have a choice. War, this war finished uh, finish on uh, Ukrainian territory with your help, with our army. And it's, uh, it means uh, more and more weapons from you. And we need it. Really, we need it. And we need offensive weapons to kick out Russian troops for, uh, from our territory. And as a military man, I think you understand that this conflict, this war will have military decisions, not diplomatic. And we see, uh, we see all of us, we see it. And because you cannot, you know, uh, have a really, a real agreement with people who are doing genocide. And what's uh, in Bucha, everybody, oh, it's too small. It's not genocide already. But Mariupol is not too small. And we have tens of thousands of people died there. 
and it's genocide already. So, uh, and uh, the second choice is uh, to have this war on your territory, on the territory of European Union and NATO territory. And in this case, uh, it will be your weapons and uh, your lives of your people and your taxpayers and uh, your citizens. So that's a choice that uh, Europe, ha Europe has now in the American civilized world, to have this war to finish it on Ukrainian territory or on NATO territory. So, so let's let's make a good choice, a reasonable choice, let's say. So we need weapons and we are really appreciate for all the help that Britain gives to Ukraine. We will never forget it. And I don't think we'll ever forget you guys. Um, Dimitro, I think we'll leave it there. I'll put in the show notes the contact details for all of Dimitro's social media handles. Do follow him online. And I just finally say thank you and stay safe, mate. Thank you. Thanks to our guests and thank you for listening. This episode was brought to you from the streets of Ukraine with Dimitro Gurin, MP, in association with Bridge to Unity. If you're able to support their next mission that will go out to help a maternity unit in Ukraine, then go to bridgetounity.co.uk or access via the show notes below where you can donate to their GoFundMe campaign. If you have enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to check out previous episodes of Veterans in Politics podcast, where you can meet members of the armed forces community who have stood up to serve again. And don't forget to share this with a friend and hit that subscribe button. We are independently produced and really could do with your support. Thank you.